Let's open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 6, verse 12 and 13, and we'll read that and then we'll pray. And I'll pick right up there in verse 12, chapter 6 of Romans. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but pres present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness of God. Father, again, we thank you. And as we open up your word, Holy Spirit, we ask you to just move in a mighty way in the hearts of the listening uh, this evening and uh, days to come, that it would just minister to the hearts and encourage uh, those in the faith and convict those who are not saved, Lord, and that they would give their life to you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. As you continue in the discipleship journey, you will find yourself here as we are taking step by step and learning these steps and our principles for you to not only to hear but to apply to your life. But one thing you will notice in a discipleship journey is you will mature. You will grow in your knowledge of who Jesus is, who God is as a whole. And you will know him more and more. But you will apply it to your life and you will see a change take place in your life. And that is what's really important. Abiding in Christ, to continue to follow Christ, you will only do that if you continue to grow and mature in your relationship with your relationship with Christ, your Savior. And so this is why we have a discipleship journey, because we don't want you just to know the information and quote the information. We want you to apply the information and practice that information. And that's why we want you to know what God says about the certain subjects. Then what do you need to practice or apply to your life so you'll continue to mature and grow and become more Christ-like and be refined in your journey with Christ? And so as we tell through this, just keep that in mind and as, as you ponder on these scriptures tonight but later on, make sure you're applying those and allow God to minister to you in and through the scriptures that I give you in, in regards to talking. Now we're going to be picking right back up because as we continue in the discipleship journey, as you notice, it was very um, all milk in the beginning. The first several steps was all milk. When you're not a believer, to become a believer. And then once you're a believer, how do you, do you be able to partake in the milk and you grow? We're getting into the meat. If you notice, in, in, in the last couple of weeks, two, three last three weeks, we were really into some in-depth, some heavy stuff of conversation around things that are in people's lives that need to get out of their lives if it continues to linger in their lives. And we'll recap on that a little bit. But we'll continue tonight on stewardship, which is another key thing of dealing with self, is around stewardship. And we're going to take a lot of pieces of that. So hold on as we go through this. Because as you grow, uh, you'll grow spiritually in your life and you will desire, as you grow and mature in your relationship with Christ, you will get to a point where you desire to serve God. You know you're maturing. You know you're growing spiritually when you cannot not serve God in, in others. You'll grow to a point where you cannot, you just want to use the spiritual gifts that God has given you to minister to others. It's no longer about you. And you want to do that with all of your heart and, and, and all of your might and everything that God gives you to do the work. 
You've just surrendered all and allow him to do that work through your life. Because it, what it will do, it just frees you from yourself, but it also brings tremendous glory to him when you serve him. And if you've been to that point in that maturity of your life with Christ, you know what it means to give glory to God in the service of God as you grow. Now, God's view concerning self is so important to understand that you must biblically change. You cannot not serve yourself. I mean, you'll just continue to focus on yourself if you're not growing biblically. If you're growing biblically, you'll think less of yourself. You'll think more of God and more of other people as we grow. And you will not be so preoccupied with self. Um, You can always tell someone who's not maturing and not growing because all they do is think about themselves. And the more they think about themselves, the more miserable they become. And so what do they do? Because they're miserable, they, what, do, what do they do? Continue to focus more on themselves. And it's, it's a spiral that comes, takes you right down to the bottom and it gets more and more miserable. But once you realize and understand scripturally that God's plan was not to focus on self, you're to deny yourself. You're denial in order to be able to please him and you focus on him and obviously you, uh, bless others in your relationship with God. Luke 9. Verse 23 through 24 says, Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will, for my sake will save it. So it's a very strong scripture right there on the fact that we're to deny ourselves and to live for God. Our desire is for him. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Again, very strong scripture with Galatians 2.20 that talks about you're no longer living for yourself. You live for Christ. He died for you. He paid a ransom for your life. Now your life is his. Ephesians 5, verse 8 through 10. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. You start living where you don't live for your desires. You start living for what is his desire for your life. And you live for what he is acceptable to in his eyes. And that is very important. I'll give you one more in the introduction here. And that's Philippians chapter 3 verses 12 through 14. Not that I have already obtained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that of which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press forward the gold for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So you don't allow your past to hinder you and be able to serve and be a steward of God going moving forward as you mature and grow in your relationships with relationship with God. And so we have to make that set and we have to get that as a foundation as a disciple because you can certainly know God and certainly be saved by God. But the question is, are you a disciple of God? There is a difference. There's a lot of people who know God, and I've met a lot of those people who know of God, but Satan knows God. And then there's those who are saved, and they're excited the fact that, yes, they believe that they're saved and they're going to go to heaven. But then there's disciples. 
There's disciples, people who are growing and maturing to the point they have really dying of the desires of themselves and just want to be in blessing God and be in the, the will of God. Not the, we want to be in the perfect will of God, not just the permissive will of God. And there is a difference. And you will learn those. If you're not understanding that tonight, as you continue on this discipleship journey and you continue to seek after God, following God, abiding in God, those are all the same terminology or, or, or emphasis there. You will find what you'll, you'll understand what I mean. So what is your change that has to take place in your life for you to deal with the self that you deal with? Well, first of all, we, in principle or step number 39, you must take the focus off yourself and your daily situations that you find yourself in and in your daily relationships. And by following God's commandments, that pleases him. That's what you must do. And we, instead of sinning through self-belittlement that we talked about last week or self-exaltation or self-pity, you are to regard yourself as more important than yourself and be a servant of God in others. So again, you can get really wrapped up into the self, be one side of the pendulum, that belittlement, self-belittlement, or the self-exaltation or the self-pity. No, you're supposed to stop that and move away from that and focus on God himself and focusing on what he has for you and how he sees you as in, in being able to move forward, not only being a servant of God, but also the servant of others. Step 40, we see that you are to put off the sins of envy and jealousy and covetousness and greed, which are characteristics of a life that is self-centeredness. It's a life that is apart from Jesus Christ. And let me say that again. If you find yourself that you're not willing to give up the envy or the jealousy or the covetousness or greed, then you are not having a life that's characterized of a life that is abiding in Jesus Christ. Those sins cannot reign and be habitual in your life. You must fight against those things if you really desire a life of Christ. Because those kinds of sins will just absolutely not allow you to grow and mature as a disciple of Christ. You will just be a bystander looking from a distance and hoping that you're going to go to heaven even though your life doesn't reflect anything of a child of God and growing maturing. And so important that we understand that. Rather, you focus on this delighting of yourself in the Lord. Um, you commit your ways to him and wait patiently for him. You're completely opposite of that. And that's what envy and jealousy and, and, and uh, covetousness and greed will do. It will focus you so much on yourself and so much of your ways of how you want to live. And, uh, and you will not wait patiently for him. <laughs> Those are characteristics of someone just really wrapped up in themselves. Instead of being jealous and having self and selfish ambitions, you are to be pure, the scripture says. You are to be peaceable and gentle and reasonable and full of mercy and good fruits and unwavering without hypocrisy. And we see that in James chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. Now tonight we'll pick more specifically up on the subject of stewardship and we see that as step 41. Step 41, if you take that step, you will see since you have been brought, uh, bought with the precious sacrifice of Jesus Christ and are no longer your own, we see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 18, or for 19 through 20 says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have from God, and you are not your own. 
For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So as a child of God and you have the spirit of God in you, you are the temple of the, of the Holy Spirit, that means you are no longer your, you, you're, you're yours. It, it, you're God's. And God gets to say what he wants to do in and, my, in and out of my life. And, that, and, and I want to have it completely surrendered to him. I want him to tell me everything. I want him to tell me exactly what he wants me to do. I want to be in his perfect will because I know that's where the peace and the joy that comes from being, having him fill my life. And that's what we need to and desire and we should have a desire in our life. So again, you've been purchased. You're no longer your own. You are God's possession and a steward or a manager of, or a managing servant of God. He's yours. He's made you a steward. Now he wants you to manage his things, your life according to how he wants you to manage it. He's the boss. He's in charge. And of all that the Lord has provided you, we have to understand we are to be a good steward of what he has given us. And we're going to take all of those elements that he has given you so it's clarity of what he's referring to in the scripture. And as a Lord's servant, you have the privilege and responsibility to be faithful with all that he has placed in your care. We are to be faithful. Why? Because we're looking forward to the day when we're in his presence. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. I can't wait to hear those words. But those are not just words that you look forward to. Those are words that reflect the character of a disciple of Jesus Christ. That you are to be faithful now in Jesus Christ. We must do exactly what God's called us to do now. As he gives us time to, to grow and mature in that faithfulness of, that he expects of us as a child of God. We see in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 1 and 2, it says, Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. If you want to be a steward of God, then a qualification for someone to say that they're a steward of God is faithfulness. Does that reflect you? Is that what is speaking to your heart right now? Are you faithful to God and what he's called you to do? 1 Peter 4.10, as each one has received a gift, spiritual gifts, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So as a believer, you've been given gift or gifts of the Spirit. Are you a good, faithful steward of those gifts and using those for the benefit of the body of Christ? Are they benefiting someone else? Or are you just trying to use those um, it may be in the past, but then that was the past. The question is, what are you doing now, my brothers and sisters, for, for Christ? How is God working in through your life using those gifts for the sake of the body of Christ now? That's the question we need to be asking. Hebrews 13, verses 20 through 21. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus Christ Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ and to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. 
So we see right here up front that we are to then this this it's that the God of peace who brought up Jesus Christ from the dead, that great shepherd whose everlasting covenant be complete a very good work in your life. And he will if you allow him and you do your part. Because instead of seeking our own pleasure, we need to be seeking only the pleasure of God. Instead of receiving and looking to be served, we serve for God. Instead of looking and and receiving credit from man on what you're wanting to do, you no longer look for the credit. You just want God to get all the credit and glory through you, what God is doing. That's the shift that needs to take. Now again, this is no condemnation. There is no heavy trip tonight. This is just reality here in discipleship. That as you grow and mature, you'll move from those thought processes like you were in the the flesh and in the worldly thinking, and you need to understand how God thinks about these things and allow the Spirit of God to transform you as a disciple as you take each and every step that you're learning and uh, learn it and apply each of these steps. We're up to 41 of them so far. Go back and meditate on them, apply them. Go back to read the scriptures and say, Lord, I want to grow and mature. I want to be a disciple of yours. Not just be saved. Yes, how wonderful and great to have eternal life. But to be a disciple, to continue to walk daily in his will, his perfect will of what he wants you to do in and through for him. Now that's your change. That's the things that need to change in our lives. The question now, what do you and I need to do to practice those things? What do we need to practice? What do we need to work out in our life every day? Let me give you a step 42. We first thing need to do is examine. You must judge yourself. You must judge yourself continually in a biblical manner. If the Bible says this, then the question is, is that, does that speak to me? Is that me? No. Well, then I need to change because that, that needs to be a character in my life. You, you and I must continue to examine ourselves. That is an important step as a disciple. And we are to not compare ourselves with others. We are to compare ourselves to what the scripture tells us, what God shows us. Not compare ourselves to other people because that is so easy to justify your lukewarm lifestyle. Or your cold lifestyle that you don't have a desire to change because you can just compare yourself to someone really worse than you, like a non-believer, and say, look at that. I'm a believer and that's a non-believer. I'm doing better than him is. Of course you are. You're a believer. That's not easy. And then you'll say, okay, I understand that. So let me compare myself to someone who just gave their life today at, at the service. Well, that's easy because they just gave their life to Christ. That's easy to compare yourself and say you're doing pretty good. But go and compare yourself to Jesus Christ. That's our example. That's who we're trying to become more like. Then you realize how much we need to grow and mature in the work he's going to do in you, if you let him. And then not only do you not compare yourself, not only do you examine yourself, but you also need in this principle, you must practice, you must determine whose approval you are ultimately seeking. So many times I don't want to, I don't want to deal with the thing, issues in my life. 
I'll keep them in the, I'll keep them secret. I, I'm just going to keep them suppressed. I'm not going to deal with those issues in my life. I'm just going to deal with things that seem to be easy. No, you've got to deal with them all. You have to examine yourself. The second thing is you need to make sure you're, 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 you're measuring based on God's standards, not anyone else's standards or any other example that you can look at that you can justify why you're doing better. And the third thing is you must understand you cannot look to, for approval from someone else. I must be doing good because someone told me I was doing good. No. What does the Holy Spirit say to you in your life? Yes, it's encouraging to hear from a brother and sister. You're doing, I see the change, brother. I see the change in your life, sister. This is really, I'm really just praising God and what he's doing in your life. Keep going. Keep walking. Keep, dis, keep on that discipleship journey. And we need those encouragements. But we cannot be settled for just looking for a man or a woman's approval. We must be looking for God's approval. We need to seek his approval in our life. And we see that in the scriptures. I'll give you just a few. Galatians 1.10 for do, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Being a man pleaser, being a, just pleasing man is not a bondservant. It's not a servant of God. You're, you're trying to please man and just constantly looking to man's approval. That is not what God wants us to do. We're looking to be a bondservant and we want to be a, we want to be, um, uh, 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 have approval from God as our master. Colossians 3, verses 23 and 24. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Your inheritance comes from him. That's the only place you want your approval from. That's where your reward comes from. 1 Thessalonians 2, 4. But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. We have got the good news, my brothers and sisters. We have the gospel. Are we faithful? Are we pleasing God? Or do we want to please God to go out and share that good news with those who are lost? Or do you do it just for to, for, to, to get notification, you know, some recognition and pleasing from some some from your brothers or your sisters to the left or right of you of what you're out there doing. No, you're sharing the good news, the gospel, what God has entrusted you and to go out and, and entrust this great news that God has and for you to go out and please God. And he will test our hearts with that. What's our motive? Why we go out and share the gospel? What's our motive? And we need to keep an eye on that motive. And it's always to please God and not yourself and to bring recognition to yourself or to please someone else. Now, step 43, we talk about uh, thanking God. That we must get, have a, a thankful heart um, in, in our life. And one of the challenges I've, I've seen in people's lives as they go and they become born again and they start to grow, they get to a point somewhere in there that, I won't put a time frame to it, but just their early growth. They've been really in the Word of God. They've been in fellowship. They've been in prayer. They're growing leaps and bounds. You see the changes. And then they kind of hit a wall. And the wall is, is that they come up with these apparent deficiencies um, that you don't like about yourself. 
There are apparent deficiencies that you cannot correct. You have no control over those deficiencies. But can you still thank God for those deficiencies? Can you look in, 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 the, in the mirror and, and, uh, and say, that is what I look like? Or that's how I walk? Or I can no longer have those capabilities? Or whatever physical or mental deficiencies that you find yourself in at this point in your life. Can you still thank God for those? Can you thank God and say, God, these are deficiencies I can't control or change. They are what they are. Because you've allowed in my life. It could have been from birth, or it could have been from aging. It could have been from a, some tragic experience. Um, I have this conversation all the time with some people who might come back from the war with some deficiencies now. Can you still thank God for those deficiencies? Ask Paul. Paul asked God, how many times can you get rid of this this, this deficiency, whatever that deficiency may have been. But what did God say to him? My grace is sufficient. Paul didn't grumble and complain. He asked for a healing. He asked for that deficiency to go away. But God said, my, 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 my grace is sufficient. I can use that deficiency for my glory, for my purpose. So let's move on, Paul. <laughs> let's go on. Let's go, let's go do some things here. Stop using this as an excuse for what you're not doing in serving. Uh, for serving. Let's move forward and, and let's do what you can do through my, by my grace. But those things that you can correct in actual deficiencies in your life that hinder you from serving God or edifying others, we must correct we must get those changed. Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 2. It says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Deficiency. And the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This step in our, in our discipleship journey, we, we need to not allow these apparent deficiencies hinder us in giving us any excuse for not being able to serve God with the gift or gifts that he has given you, does he not, do you not recognize that God understands your deficiencies? Remember, Moses had a deficiency. He couldn't speak. <laughs> you know, unfortunately, he was his permissive will of God, I believe, and had his brother step up for him, Aaron, to do the work. But God would have used Moses if Moses wouldn't allow that deficiency to keep him. You know, he continued to move forward in serving God, but he could have the perfect will of God, and, and God could have spoke strictly through him and not had to use Aaron. 
And the examples are over and over as we see in the scripture how God can overcome our apparent deficiencies that, would, that hinders us being able to, in our minds, to serve God and to edify others in the body. Now, step 44, we, say, we find that we, we, you are, and I are to practice love without hypocrisy. We must genuinely love people. We cannot be play-acting when it comes to loving people. We must be loving and practicing loving others without hypocrisy. Romans 12, 9. Let, your, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. Ephesians 5. Verses 1 and 2, therefore be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. That was Ephesians 5 verses 1 and 2. Is your life a sweet smelling aroma to the Lord as we continue to walk with the Lord? Now let's get into more specifics on the stewardship and we'll have from a time perspective we probably may not get through all of these but I want to make sure we get started and then we'll do a part two of this next week Lord willing and we'll finish this uh, piece up. But we must practice biblical stewardship and there's different aspects of stewardship which is to care for and give of the physical and spiritual resources that God has provided to us. We must take those physical things that he's given us, the spiritual things he's given us, and we must practically give that back to God and give that back to others. And it's not just for us. It's these resources that God has given us and provided for us so that we can then turn around Die of self, and be in the way we die of ourselves is by giving back to God what He's given us and to others that God is showing us to share with others. And we must develop a biblical plan of stewardship to make that become who we are as a servant of God. You must, and I must practice these things. We have to have a plan, plan of action, and implement that plan in our lives as God reveals those things. God is sovereign. God is sovereign over every facet of his creation, period. You need to understand that. And yet he graciously allows you and I to be a steward or a managing steward of the resources that God gives to us and to then faithfully apply to what God says us to do with those resources. And he literally, I know, in his sovereignty, believes he can trust us with those resources and he gives it to us. I know, it's hard to believe. But that's how God's designed it. Is that he graciously and sovereignly allows you and I to be a steward over what he places in yours and my care. Now, you should recognize that everything you have, your body, your material goods, your time, your abilities, your spiritual gifts, has been graciously given to you by God. You need to meditate on that for a while. 
Because it's amazing how many people take their time and think they can just do whatever they want to do with their time because their time is precious and they want to do this for myself. Or these are the materials. I worked hard. I earned that. I've been slaving away at work. I got these materials. I can spend my money however I want to. And these are common things that we say to ourselves. But if you, as a child of God, as you grow mature, you're going to stop saying those things and doing those things that go contrary, more than likely, of what God wants to do with those resources that he's given you. I'll give you Deuteronomy 8.18. Again, these are things for you to hold on to because you're going to sit there and say, oh, Pastor Corey's up there just kind of spouting off. But let me give you the scriptures so you can spout away on these scriptures so you understand where I'm getting this from. Deuteronomy 8.18, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. First Chronicles 29.12 Both riches and honor come from you, Lord. From the Lord. You, got, you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. And in your hand it is to, to make great and to give strength to all. David understood this truth in Psalm 24.1, when he is the Psalm of David. He says, the earth is the Lord's and all, its fruit, uh, all of its fullness, the world and those who dwell within. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So this is just a few scriptures that you will find, and you'll find many more as you study the scriptures, where God is saying he is sovereign, it's all his stuff, and he gives it to you, and then he expects you and I to faithfully to be stewards or manage those resources that he's given us each day, day by day, according to his will. And that means we have to ask him, Lord, what do you want me to do with you? You're the time you've given me today. You've woke me up. God, you gave me that money. You've given me that resource. What do you want me to do with that money and resource for you? We must ask those. And how many times people do not ask those questions? They just say, I've got it. Now I get to do anything with it I want to. And as a steward of all, the Lord has entrusted you. And you are to be faithful in the care and the use of God's provisions. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. I cannot say that verse enough for uh, verses for you and I enough to understand. It's so important that we are faithful in with what God has given us and what we do with that. So the question is, what's your motive? As a disciple, our motive has to be pure. Our motive to be a faithful student steward is to be centered on God and His objectives. He has, he has objectives for our life. 
When we wake up that day, he has an objective. Uh, these are the things I need you to do for me today. And he may show you right up at the very beginning when you first wake up your, your, your eyes that he allows. Or it can give you those objectives as you go through the day. But understand he's got objectives for your life daily. Question is, are you asking him what your, his objectives are for you that day? And or, or are you in, in, in I so preoccupied with self that we are not wanting to hear what someone else? And you can always know the mindset. You know, I'm going to avoid anybody who's going to tell me to do anything because I really have an objective in my own life and I want to do something. And if I don't ask anybody or I don't do anything, then I can't feel like I have to be torn away with what I want to do. I mean, these are mindsets that we can get so easily into when we're self-centered, preoccupied with self. But we should not be that as a faithful steward of God. We must, our motivation is in the very first one is to be trustworthy, a trustworthy steward. We must be a trustworthy steward of God's grace. We must demonstrate a Christ-likeness in our life each and every day in our own walk as we walk through this day and remain faithful to present, as we see in the scripture, present God's message of reconciliation through Jesus Christ. That is the very first motive of faithful um, thing we must do on a daily basis is to say, God, I want to be Faithful, and I, my motive for this day, one of your objectives, I understand for me, is to be faithful and sharing the good news that that person, I need to let them know that they can be reconciled with Jesus Christ if they put their faith in Jesus. That is the very first objective that God wants us as a child of God while we're still here on this earth, is to faithfully share the good news with others. That God has come to reconcile man to himself. The second thing is the goal of our service must be to give glory to God instead of receiving honor. We must practice, we must apply that we are not to look for glory and attention to ourselves. We must look to serve and give God the glory for everything that we are doing, that God is allowing us to do for him. That we're no longer looking for others to gratify us. We're not looking to self-gratify. We're not looking to be self-centered desires any longer. We just want to serve to bring glory to God. Matthew 6, verse 1. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Those are serious things. When you talk about having a goal for your serving God, your goal is purely to give glory to God. And it has to be from the heart and a true heart of, of how you see those things. Because the exercising of that spiritual gift or gifts that God has given you and he's empowering you to exercise those gifts for the benefit of others, to bring him glory, should not bring glory to yourself, but should build up the body of Christ. 
And when you do that, when you exercise those spiritual gifts that God is asking you to do in the body of Christ, then you will be fulfilling one of God's objectives. His purpose in this world is to use you in the lives of other people. That clearly is his objective as a believer, as a child of God. That is an objective that God wants you to do. So if you ever ask yourself, what do I do today? Well, you know you should be sharing the gospel for with whoever God puts on your heart and brings across your path. Faithfully let them know that they can be reconciled to God Almighty through Jesus Christ. You know the fact that you want to be serving. Your goal is to give glory to whatever God's called you to do. You're going to give him glory. That You know that's an objective of his every day. And then this... And then the fact that you have this gift that God has given you and you're faithfully just serving God that brings glory but is so fulfilling of God's purpose in your life but in this world that God's trying to obtain here. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. I'll wrap it up here in the closure of this kind of a thing here because I'm running out of time. And he said to himself... He gave some to be apostles, some to, uh, for prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of, of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children, we need to mature, because children, you'll be tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. From whom the whole body joined and knitted together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Why I'm so passionate that we have that in praising God that God gave us this place for us to be able to once again gather together in person. You, I just read the scriptures. You can see it throughout. Why it's so important to not forsake the fellowship regardless of how you feel. That you need to come because God wants to use each other in the lives of each other. To allow the, the, the spiritual gifts to be moved and exercised as we fellowship with one another. To encourage one another. To, to, to be corrected by someone that God is leading to you to, to be there because they're asking you for help. And that you can guide them and disciple them because we are to make disciples. And watch how God in His Spirit will join us like a body. Because if you're the thumb and you're not here, you were missing a thumb and it's critical. The body is going to hurt not having that thumb. It'll be much awkward because you're not present. Oh, how many times people don't think they have value. And how can they add value to the gathering of the fellowship? And I just want to encourage you, my brothers and sisters, you must trust the word of God and not your feelings on this. Keep showing up regardless of how you feel and watch God be a vessel, a good steward 
of, your, of, of what God wants to do in and through you. He's given you provisions to share with others. And that is your time. Maybe just a listening ear, but that listening ear could change a person's life. It's your prayers that can change a person's life. You're interceding for someone. It can go on and on and on, endlessly, of how God can use you in the lives of other people as we join together, joined and knitted together for every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share. Are we doing our share? That is a very big question for all of us to ask ourselves as we do it. Next week, we'll be picking back up we will finish the stewardship. I'm not even close to being done with this. We only picked up on the first couple here. But those are essential steps of a discipleship. And I do not want to miss those essential steps because it really builds on dealing with self. And I know it's, the, the scripture is very painful sometimes. The, the, the word cuts, uh, cuts very deeply at times. But God wants to do a good work in you. Let the Spirit of God move. Apply to what God has asked you and in convicting you to apply to your life and biblically change as a disciple.